0: The point of the sermon this morning, uh, my hope is this morning we are talk we are this month has been our missions month, and this morning we 're going to talk about local missions and my point this morning is that as you hear and read along with me and as you hear jesus 's words here in John seventeen, that you will know that you have been empowered to do a work that 's the goal that you would know. That you have been empowered to do a work, if you are a Christian, you have a mission, and it is your mission to display Christ, to display the glory of God to the world, in your word and in your deed and in your deed. We all know that we're supposed to be the salt and light of the world, and that's fitting this morning, right? And we all sang the song as we were growing up uh, about uh, having the light of Christ hide it under a bushel. No, there, good, some of you are awake. Thank you, Liz. That we are to be the light of the world, a city on a hill that is shining forth this light. Now, this morning, um, you may be asking why Would you take a sermon and talk about local missions? And that is easy, and it's because we are here local. It's because we are here local. Our hope and prayer is that some of you in this body will be called to foreign missions and that some of you will be called to leave Signal Mountain or Chattanooga or wherever you live and to go overseas. But until that day you leave, you are on mission here locally. So, as we jump into our text this morning, I want you to see Jesus as he is telling us about this mission. Now, the book of John, I love the book of John, and one of the reasons I love the book of John is that John uh, helps people like me who have a hard time sometimes figuring out what books are about. And in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, John tells us why he has written this gospel he says, therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of, his, of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written, hear, hear it, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in His name. Now, as we get to John chapter 17... Uh, This is the end of a section of the book of John that started at the Last Supper. So Jesus has the Last Supper, and so the audience here is His disciples. And as He has this Last Supper, Jesus goes into this narrative where He tells them plainly that He is going to leave. Not only that He is going to leave, but that He's also going to come back. We get Jesus telling this narrative. And in in this, and we're going to look at a lot of this this morning, he tells us that I'm going away, but I'm going to give to you. The Father is going to send the Comforter to you. So he is telling these disciples, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to leave you in the world. You have a job to do. And when we get to John chapter 17, what John is recording, and this is amazing, John is recording a prayer of Jesus. And the first part of this prayer, we're not going to read the whole prayer, but the first part of this prayer, Jesus has just told them, in fact, look at John 16, chapter, verses 30-31. through 31. He says, this is the disciples talking, Now we know that you know all things, and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. And Jesus answered them, Do you believe? Behold, an hour is coming, and has already come for me for you to be scattered to the disciples, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace in the world You have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And so Jesus, in talking about what's getting ready to happen and telling the disciples, you're going to be scattered, you're going to be scared, Jesus goes into this prayer, and the first part of this prayer, He prays for Himself. And we get this inside glimpse into His communing with the Father. The second part of this, and I just love this, Jesus prays for His disciples. And He prays uh, for them. It's so they can hear, and can you imagine just being in the room and hearing Jesus, being one of the disciples and hearing Jesus, the Son of God, praying to His Father for you? Well, brothers and sisters, I have a blessing for you this morning. Because Jesus didn't stop there. In this text, Jesus prays for the disciples and then He begins to pray, as we see in verse 20, for those who would believe the disciples' message, message us. Us. And so I want you to hear, as I read our passage this morning, I want you to hear this with fresh ears, knowing, knowing that this is what Jesus is praying for you. Okay? Verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, the disciples, but for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, and they, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me. And I love them even even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known you, known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Now, I want to look at this, and I want you to see in this text, I want you to see the mission here. And the first part of this mission that you'll pick up on from hearing this prayer is that Jesus prays that we will be united. Three verses. Just look at it again, just real quickly. Verses 21, 22, and 23. That they may all be one. Verses 22. That they may be one just as we are one. Verse 23. That they may be perfected in unity. Now, what you need to know, and is obvious from hearing this text, is that when John is talking about unity, he's not talking about unity for unity's sake, like some kind of uh, 1960s peace movement, right? What he's talking about is that there is a unity, and this unity is based on the fact that they have been, that we have believed the message, that we have believed the message of the disciples. We have believed this message that Jesus is from God, that Jesus is God's Son. And this is what ultimately unifies us. Now, these verses get a little tricky and complicated, and I'm going to try to very briefly navigate my way uh, through some of this. But the next thing I want you to see about this unity is I want you to see the essence of the unity. Look at verse 21 that they may all be one, even as... So notice this, this. This will give you a little bit of a headache and cause you to think all week. At least it did for me. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. The essence of this unity is as Father and Son are unified and as they are in each other, so we too ought to be in god the father and god the son now what in the world does that mean i'm so glad that you asked so glad that you asked and we get some clues from the context if we were to look back at john chapter 14 verses 16 and 17 notice these words jesus here again he is the Last Supper, He is in this discourse with the disciples and He tells them this, I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because it did not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. That the Holy Spirit The Spirit of God will not only be with you, but will be in you. In the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter 36, you don't have to turn there. Uh, These passages are familiar to many of you. Verse 26 and 27, this prophecy. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And so the essence, the essence of this unity is that the Holy Spirit is in us. And you may say, well, how does that unify us with God? And I'm, again, glad that you asked that. Because what we see as we look again, as we see, as Jesus has taught us about the Holy Spirit, and we go back and look uh, in chapter 14 again, verse 26, he's talking about the Spirit's work. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring, you, bring your remembrance all of what I said. In in chapter 15, as we keep going, it's the famous uh, uh, passage where Jesus says, He's talking about, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in Me. Abide in Me. And, And in that section, He again talks about teaching the words of God. If you believe the words of God, you will continue in Me. And so what we have is what brings us unity, the essence of this unity, the essence of being in God the Father and in the Son, is that the Holy Spirit is illuminating God's words so that in us they become God's very words. And it unifies us. And so what this does, it gives us the same purpose, the same mind, the same goal as God the Father and God the Son. Now, I wish... I could say, hey, this gets easier sledding, but it gets a little tougher. If you look at verse 22, as we're talking about this unity, notice it says, the glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one. And so we have not only have been given the Holy Spirit, but we've been given glory. We've been given glory so that we may be one. Now, what is the glory of God? One of the themes of the Bible, the glory of God, and as as simply put as I can put it this morning, the glory of God is the radiance of who He is. The, The glory of God is the radiance of who God is. It's His essence, it's His character displayed to the world. And so what does it mean? That you and I have been given the glory of God. I think what this means, I think what this means is that we have been given, we have been given the ability as Christians to display God's glory because as He is pouring into us, we are to be reflectors of that glory so that it comes out of us that we are mirrors, we are reflectors of this glory. And you may say, okay, Lewis, how do you get that? And the the first place we have to start is to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. In John chapter 1, at the very beginning of this book, in verse 14, he says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and notice this wording, And we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 3, talking about Jesus. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power. And when He made purifications for sin, He sat down at the right hand of Jesus the right hand of the majesty on high. And so what we see here is that in order to receive this glory, we look to Jesus. And as we look to Jesus and as we do what Jesus did, as we become like Jesus, as He becomes our example, what happens is that we more accurately reflect who God is because when we see Jesus, we see the exact representation of our Father. And so we are to look to the scriptures. We are to look to see what who Jesus is. We are to look to see who he loved. We are look to look to see how he loved. And we are to emulate that. And again, again, the other way we receive this glory is through the work of the Spirit. In chapter 16, verse 7. Chapter 16, verse 7, notice this. But I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And then if we just jump ahead, just a couple of verses to verse 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for He will take of mine, and I will disclose it to you. All things the Father has are mine, therefore I said that He takes of mine and discloses it to you. That we see the clear example of the way that we are given glory is through the Holy Spirit in us because it is disclosing to us all things that are His. So, we have seen the essence of of this unity. And the second thing that I want you to see is the purpose behind this unity. That there is a purpose behind this unity, and it is to empower us for a mission. Again, look at verse 21. When you read the Bible, uh, there are these phrases, these clauses that you need to pay attention to. And one of the clauses you need to pay attention to if you're wanting to understand a passage is so that, or because, or for. And so notice, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. And again in verse 23, I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you have loved me. Now, what we see is that God has given us these things, this unity. We are to bound together in unity with the Father and Son, in unity with one another, so that the world may know that Jesus is the Son of God. And so I want to define real quickly what is meant by the world. What is meant by the world? Again, this context just brings us right to this. John chapter 15, verses 18 And 19, if the world hates you, you know it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. The world is our audience. The world, as described in the book of John, is hostile to the things of God. It is the non-believer. Another way we could also look at it is to describe it as the forces at work that are not of God. This world. Jesus even tells us several times in the book of John, I'm leaving you in this hostile, foreign world. Jesus contrasts this world and heaven. Heaven. Even in verse uh, 24 of our passage, he tells us this. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. But God didn't choose to do it that way. In other words, what I like to say about this passage, how many of you, maybe all of you, uh, know what Star Trek is? Okay. Remember, beam me up, Scotty. Wouldn't have been nice at our moment of conversion, that God just beamed us up and took us home. I would say amen to that. And God could have done that. But God has left us in the world so that you and I can be reflectors of His glory so that we can send His message to this hostile world. Now, now I just love this and I'm hoping that you begin to see and you're feeling this, the most famous verse in the book of John. John 3, 16. This hostile enemy world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever should believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And as Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, Jesus was live and in person, as Jesus has gone away and sent His Holy Spirit, and we are the ones who have been left in the world, the question for you is, do you so love the world? Do you love what God loves so much that you're willing to be the light, to be the love of God, to be the hands and feet of, to be the ones who display the glory of God, the hope that we have in salvation to this world. Do you love the things that God loves? Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before man that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify the Father in heaven. We have been empowered for a mission. Now, I want to spend my closing time, and there are five things here in my closing time, because some of you, when I say closing, think there's one. There's five. Talking specifically about local missions in Signal Mountain Bible Church and why I think it's important. Now, the first reason, a couple of things on why I think it's important, and then lastly, I want to talk about... um, what it looks like here. But the first reason that I am glad and think it is God-honoring that we have a local missions focus and a local missions committee, that it's something that we invest in and look at, is because this is a way, not the only way, but this is a way that we can unite the church, both us and globally, other churches in this area, that we can unite together to display the glory of God to the world around us. That we can get ourselves involved with Christians around the city of Chattanooga to go into the prisons and to help put on these revivals, that that is a way that we display unity and the glory of God to the world. Secondly, and this is very important, these next two I want you to really grasp. Secondly, local missions is a vehicle that provides access to those, that Jesus, to those to whom Jesus would want us to go. So I want you to hear that again. Having this committee, having this focus is a vehicle... That leads to us having access to go to those to whom Jesus would want us to go. What I mean by that is this. Let's say that you were, as you heard Joe speak this morning, you were burdened to go into the prison and to share your faith in the prison. Awesome. And so you go up to Silverdale and you just do what? I'm here. Who are you? I want to give my testimony. How do you think that would go? Or, let's say that you became real burdened uh, by um, couples who have pregnancies and they're trying to decide what to do with those pregnancies and you're real burdened for that and uh, you want to help out and so you just go wandering around OBGYN offices to try to figure out, hey, are you deciding whether or not to have a baby? Are you de-? like, what, what this does, what these local mission agencies do is they provide a vehicle for us to be able to get involved at a level and gives us access to the people whom Christ would want us to love, people who Jesus loves himself. The second thing is, and this is so vitally important, I mean, the third thing is, this is so vitally important itself, is that local missions, local mission agency, they highlight the need. One of the things uh, through... uh, Many years ago, hearing about prison prevention ministries and talking with Matthew about his work on that committee, uh, talking with Pat Kassebaum, who served there so faithfully for many, many years, is that I, in my ignorance, I just don't ever think about the families that are left behind when somebody goes to prison. So what happens is you have these great agencies that highlight, hey, here's the need. Here's a need that you may not have thinking, thought of. Thinking of. <laughs> thought of. Again, in my ignorance, and I know I'm, I, I could highlight all <laughs> agencies that we support, but uh, Choices is another agency we support. Uh, several years ago, uh, Cho- Choices kind of made a pivot and said we also want to minister to the young men, uh, the fathers of these babies, because they were a neglected group. Would have never thought about that. But these local mission agencies, because they are there and because they are doing the work, are able to highlight the need. Jesus, when he was walking around, had an ability that we don't have. You remember several times in the Gospels, Jesus said, I know what you're saying in your heart, (laughs) and just corrects it. None of us have that ability. So what we need is we need people on the ground who see the need and who are able to help us to do that well. Fourthly, the reason that I'm so glad that we have a local missions committee and we do local missions here is that we need to get involved. We need to get involved. And, and I don't want to scare you on this. So, for example... One of the agencies we support is Young Life. And the thought of working with middle schoolers uh, on a morning at like 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning may terrify some of you. Right? But you know, one of the things that Casey and I have learned through Young Life is that, um, that these folks who do work with the young people, they need somebody investing in them. Sometimes they just need a place to meet. Sometimes they need... Uh, gifts or to have a Christmas. You know, there are certain things that they need that you can support them. Uh, Choices. Uh, not too long ago, uh, they, in order to save money, they needed somebody to go in and paint their offices. We can become a part of these ministries and it doesn't have to necessarily be in the counseling room with the young man and lady at Choices, but it may be. It may be. Lastly, and I am closing with this, I want to just briefly talk about local missions here at Single Mountain Bible Church. Um, Historically, what happened uh, was that uh, the local and global missions committee, uh, it was one committee. And so what happened would be is that the same committee that was uh, working to uh, support and try to love on uh, folks like the Yungs uh, uh, would be the same ones that were trying to uh, correspond with prison prevention ministries or Choices. And so one of the things that happened, uh, one of the things that we saw happening was that we were doing a really, really good job of communicating with our overseas missionaries and looking out for them, and that was a good and needed work. The problem became is that we saw that we weren't communicating hardly at all with our local missions agencies. We were just writing a check. And so, one of the things that we saw uh, is there was a need to say, hey, why don't we revision this? We want to keep, we need to do a better job at supporting our global missionaries. And so, why don't we just split those two groups and just say, hey, listen, these folks, you just love our global missionaries and just do it. And we will create another group, which is now called the Local Missions uh, Committee who their job is to work with our local mission agencies. And so that committee is set up to serve them. And there are several things I just want you to be aware of, and then we will pray. First of all, there is a newsletter, and I forget what y'all's newsletter is called. Not a newsletter. uh, it's It's not Mission News in a nutshell. Oh, it's out there. You can get it. And it talks about our local missions and the updates. And so I want you all to be aware of that. The best thing you can do, one of the greatest things you can do is to be in prayer for these local mission agencies. Um, Most of these agencies, uh, if you are not aware, are in a time where they feel like they're walking a little bit of a tightrope to be able to do what they are doing because governmental pressures and secular pressures are coming in and pushing on them, and so one of the things that we need to pray is that we will just be able to continue to have access into these places. Uh, It's amazing that Christians can still go into the jails, but we could all envision a day to where they would say no more. So one of the greatest things we can do is pray. Uh, Another thing you can do is you can uh, give money uh, individually or or through the church to them, Uh, and the other thing, of course, is to go and to serve. And I want to really lean on you as your pastor to consider serving in this capacity with some of our local missions. And here's the reason. It can be difficult to coordinate um, raising money, getting on a plane, and going halfway around the world Uh, To serve uh, gypsy kids in Greece. What our youth are going to do here uh, this summer. And that is a great work. And we are going to do that. Here's what I want to say. You can get in your car. And drive not very far. And love on people. To whom Jesus would want you to love. Now. It is your mandate. Right? As you go to work you are to love those around you. As you eat at a restaurant, you are to be the light of Christ to those people around you. As you are in your neighborhood, you are to be the light of Christ to those people. And, and, in this city, we are to be the light of Christ to those who are needy and to whom these agencies give us access to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So the final note. Two weeks ago, I preached on Acts 1-8 and Chris Petty did a job, better job of that three weeks before. And all I want you to hear as we close is it's global and local missions. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And that's the kind of church that we want to be at Signal Mountain Bible Church is a both and. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you God, You have given us Your Son. You have given us Your Spirit. And You have given us Your Word. And You have given us brothers and sisters around us to encourage us, to help us in this endeavor. You have not left us alone. God, help us to take this mission seriously. Help us to take this mission seriously. is spreading Your name and Your fame around the world. Here and abroad. All this is only possible through your Son Jesus, whose name we proclaim. Amen. We will close.